The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Ooh, shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and along with my daughter Ella, hello, we are two generations of geek. This is episode 47, Part of the Family, part four of our multi-part alien retrospective as we discuss Alien 3. But first, remember you can find us online at generationsgeek.com, which includes handy links to all our episodes. Plus, check out the Generations Geek Instagram, featuring Ella's geeky adventures. Now, on with the show. Right. Alien 3. I just want to say one thing off the top. So we had a direct sequel... Starts up basically right where the previous one left off. I want to point out that the first film came out in 1979. Second film came out in 1986. And the third film came out in 1992. So there was another six years before they did the third film. So it's kind of interesting how spread out these are for a series. And how Sigourney Weaver looks exactly the same. (laughs) She... Still looks the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this, I think this was really only my second time watching this, maybe third. And this was your second time, Yeah, right? yes. But you saw it for the first time just a couple years ago, where I saw it for the first time a couple decades yeah, ago. Like a, like a year ago, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I saw it when it came out. Yeah, I was going to say it was the first time you saw it in 1992. <laughs> And I don't think I watched it again. Maybe I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there, yeah. but, you know, it didn't really grab me. What, and, um, what was it like waiting six years for that? Disappointing. I, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm, as, that as I age, this will happen to the things that I love. <laughs> Well, it's definitely a... Like, I don't want to go to, like, Iron Man 34 and, like, you know... (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the problem with sequels, is sometimes you'd prefer if they just let something go out on top, because you never know when you're going to get a a dud. And, And, well, and we'll discuss this more as we go along with this particular film. It was a really troubled shoot um and 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 you can tell and the memory i had over the years of the film was i was kind of thinking like well maybe it got kind of you know a harsh rap maybe you know because after those first two films it's hard to measure up and and so i thought oh this is gonna be interesting to go back and see it after all this time and after the you know the dust is settled for decades and, and, and so I, I was kind of looking forward to seeing it and wow, I just found it a chore to sit through. You were looking forward to, to watching it today? Yeah. Because I, like I just said, I was like, you know, all this, all this time has passed. There's no preconception. There's no, you know, I know it wasn't a great film. It'll be fun just to sit and watch it again. And it was a chore. I feel like, the, I chore. feel like when I watched it the first time, I was just kind of confused and maybe mm-hmm. in shock you know and then today i watched it when we watched it it was like oh and then like 
we were sitting there and it felt like so long and I looked at the DVD player and it was like an hour and 20 minutes. And I like went on my phone and I was like, Alien 3, runtime. And it was like two hours. And I was like, no! <laughs> and, well, and then the so-called special edition really runs can't. a half an hour longer. And you know, I'm always the one who's like, I want, the, I don't care how slow it is when it's extended. <laughs> Give it to me. I will sit here for, you know, 14 hours. Well, but, but I don't. Well, I don't want well, I mean, that. but the extended edition of this was not a director's cut, and I think that was, you know, yeah. So someone else went in and and took all this alternate Just footage and movie. stuck it back in. Yeah. I mean, David Fincher is a solid, solid director, but he got saddled with this big studio film, and there was a lot of interference. Oh, yeah, it it did not work for me. Well, let's. Let's start from the top. So it starts out right where the previous one left off because we're in the ship, seeing them in their hypersleep chambers. Um, but then we see an egg and a face hugger coming out. But there's no explanation for how at least two eggs were on the ship because no. Ripley gets uh, impregnated with a queen and then there's the other egg that, that's, can I just, that's my worst nightmare. It's a, it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's not a good thing. Like um, things inside of you. <laughs> parasites. Like being pregnant and just yeah. getting <laughs> And then of course, depending on whether you watch the theatrical or the extended edition, there is a face hugger that gets a dog or an ox. <laughs> so there was at least two eggs on there. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess the idea being is that uh, you have to have at least one drone um, as a protector for the queen. If you have a queen larva coming out, I don't know, but it's, but I feel like we're. I feel like I'm doing math. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I was looking for in the special edition reanimation of Bishop. I'm jumping way ahead here, but maybe he would say something more explaining about how the eggs got on the ship, but he didn't. There's no explanation whatsoever. I don't know. Okay, so we're, we're teased right at the beginning by we're seeing, like, uh, the, the scans of the sleep pods, so you know that someone has already had a face hugger on. Then the thing crashes on the planet and very quick, quickly is revealed the cruel, for the audience and Ripley, the cruel death of Hicks and Newt. Except it wasn't it wasn't cruel because we didn't see it, you know? It's well, like but, just, but I, I it's mean... Like, good morning, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, but it's still cruel in the sense that it just rips the heart out of aliens and stomps on it and just leaves yeah. you uh, empty and, and, uh, and despairing <laughs> right along with Ripley. And it's... Can we just, I want to, I want to talk to the man who was like, you know what we do? She crashes on a planet that's just a colony of rapists. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, this, this whole double Y chromosome thing. I need somebody to, I need somebody to, I need to speak to some men. And well, this the, the, and this whole thing about them all being double Y chromosome. I really 
that that's that just that, I don't... that's just nonsense no, it, scientifically yeah. Yeah. biologically yep I mean there are men that are XYY chromosomes but that doesn't turn them into you know crazy killing machines I was yeah I was gonna say it's kind of a that that that's kind of a... uh, that that was just why even do that? It didn't well, make any like sense. When, what, like when people are like, "Oh, like all you have to cover do is up, like men can't help themselves." It's like, but all, okay, all well... you would have had to do is say that they were murderers and rapists. Why add? Or in you the... could have you could have had it be like a because just, it's a, a, prison. just a normal prison colony. Why is there this why special? The why, I mean, why like thing. that, yeah. and then like I. That's just ill conceived from the get go. Um, also, like, there's no death penalty for. Murderers and rapists in the future. Not not to get too not to get too well, neoliberal on you here, but let's. I don't think we want to open up the whole capital <laughs> punishment can of worms. Um, that uh... that's another podcast, <laughs> and one that we don't do because we just talk about geeky stuff. Um... Coming soon. <laughs> Coming soon to you. <laughs> I mean, dramatically, this was the like the only thing that was like a payoff of the cruel deaths because then the you get the uh, horrific autopsy scene, and that's a, a heartbreaking bit of business, but it does actually show some things about Ripley's character. It shows her uh, she's still a strong lady. Her love for Newt. And her resolve to do what needs to be done, no matter how also the dude soul that, crushing it is. The dude that plays the doctor, mm-hmm. I think, played Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. There's like this scene really early on in Game of Thrones where he's like butchering a deer, and <laughs> and he has the exact same look on his face of just this kind of blank, like this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> I also I, I I don't I don't I don't get why she would have just said Yo there might be a parasite uh, and like yeah. crack it open. Just just say there's some weird alien parasite. It's like you know, I think she was she was afraid be since everything to, is owned by the company, I think she was afraid to be like, there's an alien in there, fam, and the company well, well, like that's they what want I'm it saying. for the big bucks. That's why I'm saying she could just kinda of take the doctor aside and just kinda of like I think there could be some sort of parasite in there. And not going to the whole rigmarole. Also, why does she trust him? Because I don't. I, I don't think she has much of a choice. I think. She's I mean, not just... with the just like not with the autopsy, but like later, it's like they're like besties. It's like well, okay, yeah, why we'll get to that. We'll get to that. One thing I found kind of artsy and nice is even though she sees that the uh, that the body of Newt doesn't have the a xenomorph she still talks them into cremating the bodies of mm-hmm. Hicks and Newt and then that scene uh foreshadows her own death it shows the bodies being dropped yeah. into the thing and that was nicely done and i also thought it was kind of nice some good writing the uh preacher character Dylan is giving a little bit of a sermon or whatever as they dump the bodies but he's unbeknownst to him <laughs> He's speaking in all these double meanings because he's talking about in, you know, at the end of life, there's always a seed of new life. And it's like, well, yeah, it's like you're talking about the xenomorph being inside a body that's, you know, so that was Mm -hmm. kind of, that kind of worked. I think the best thing 
unarguably the best thing about Alien 3 is Ripley with the head shave. Boom. That's actually not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say after Dylan says, I am a murderer and rapist of women, that Ripley just goes, I must I make you nervous <laughs> then. She just like sits down. And she sits down Ooh. anyway. That is a classic Ripley. Power move, Ripley. Yeah. That, like that, I wish that... the only thing I want to be different about that is I wish like, who directed this? David Fincher. Uh, David Trimmer? Uh <laughs> 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 we were on a break okay um <laughs> i wish david fincher had take like stopped and been like you gotta be like low-key aggressive with that <laughs> line like she's just kind of gentle about it like, she's just kind of like nonchalant but i wish she would have like got you know like i want her to have gotten like Intense, but like, I must make you nervous. I must, am I making you nervous? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think that the under underplay of it makes I mean, like, it even... no, like, don't yell it, but also, yeah. like, it was, it was almost like too gentle. And I was like, I want her to have had this look on her face, like, she knew exactly what she was doing. <laughs> well, I think she did know exactly what she was doing. <laughs> then we get, I remember when we were discussing aliens. No. And. <laughs> We talked about how much we liked the interaction between Ripley and Hicks because they didn't force it to be a romance in any oh, sort. Oh, like the way they were just like... They were friends, they were equals, they yeah. were... and and they're... Definitely. And, and even though you sensed a developing bond between the two, they didn't go... You know, too far. They didn't like. It's like, definitely like a standout relationship. Yeah. But it's not like. But then what do they? Like they're sneaking off. But then what do they they're do not in this? Sneaking off to a cot. But then what do they do in this? The opposite. They've they've barely just gotten through with burying Hicks, and now she's uh, shacking up with the doctor. Who she isn't I, sure. Like is she think? Like she I, doesn't was... know his background. I I did not like that. And then there's, you know, and then she says... It's like sometimes you know when something has been written and or directed by a man. (laughs) I just... Well, but but it's not like Sigourney... I mean, Sigourney got a producer credit on this. She was the star. But... If she... I'm I'm thinking that if she really didn't want that line to be there or some of that stuff to happen, that she could have said no. If we oh, hold on though, because we're gonna get, you know, she we're gonna get assassinated. If she we didn't. Start she didn't come. I mean, she told them. She told them she, that she wouldn't come, come back unless it was the end of of Ripley. Oh, really? She basically said, "Yeah, I'll I'll do another one," but you know, classic then, classic Nimoy. But the, well, exactly. Classic Arthur Conan Doyle. It was a classic Nimoy. Classic because Nimoy, because she's like, wait, just kidding. But, but <laughs> Take then, me back. then after a while went by, and she's kind of like, hmm, well, maybe I want to do this again. You guys. One thing that bugs me, and, and she had a line, she said something to him about, you know, I've been out here a long time. And it's like, well, no, actually, you haven't. It feels like a long time because there's been six years in between the movies. <laughs> but in universe. You haven't actually been out there a long time. Is that how long has she been? What's the canon? Because, well, in the first one, 
Because she leaves her because her daughter, right? So then, well, yeah, but she's her experience of time. Oh, you mean because like she's of hypersleep? Sleeping? Yeah, it's like if you actually added oh, so up. So you're like, oh, she's been so she's been awake. You're saying for like couple of weeks. Yeah, this is all that that's the weird thing about these movies is that all of this stuff has really happened in a compressed period of time uh, as far as like, her she consciousness. She's more screwed up. Um <laughs> I don't know. We're kind of breezing along on this one. We um, do we need to slow down? Let's see. No, I don't know. Let's see. What do we have here? Okay. Like, so uh, um so then then people start dying. Let's see. Blah blah blah. She goes like, back. Like I would I would rather watch Prometheus. No, I <laughs> Well, I'm just saying I'd rather not watch either of them. Well, let's get to something cool, though, even though it didn't go anywhere, really. So she salvages the flight recorder from the emergency evacuation vehicle, or whatever it's called, and then she goes and finds what's left of Bishop so she can use him as an interface to access the flight recorder. So then you and get... she's not and then, helpful? And then... I mean, he's not... Bishop is not helpful? So then... It's kind of fun seeing Bishop because he's funny. He's he's teasing her. He is, yeah, a little bit. At first, you know, yeah. he he's says, like, "My he, legs hurt." My legs hurt, and then he says, "Like, don't worry, I'm just a glorified toaster or whatever," yeah. which is you know a line from the. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, I like your haircut. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's kind of a nice touching scene yeah. of camaraderie. Except and then, then she's like, "Please help me," and he's like, "It's dark in here. So suddenly I can't see. And then suddenly I can't read." I mean, he basically asks for her to kill him because he's you know, in such bad shape. So it's then sad and heart wrenching because everyone dies. So then you get the inevitable attack on her because they've set it all up and it's the whole double the Y Mad criminal Max thing. But <laughs> assault scene. But then um but then the preacher comes and saves her. There's one I wanna talk about one detail in that scene. Mm-hmm. And that's he comes in, he starts hitting on him with the crowbar, they all run and he's kinda like Shut up! I'm taking care of business. Yeah, and he like kind of wails on somebody, but there's not really like a scream or like anything. It's just like a couple of thuds. But then when he turns to tell her to leave again, there's like just flesh, like <laughs> brains on the court. It's like you that that boy dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of weird because he's talking like, like he's how, gonna like yeah. teach the brothers to you know. Yeah, like his he's his like, religious brothers, he's got you know. But it's like, well, no, it seems like you just killed that guy. That not like you're teaching him a lesson. So I mean, yeah, maybe it's he a little knew weird. Y'all are beyond help. Meanwhile, the xenomorph has started taking out all sorts of nameless people, and I say nameless both <laughs> both literally that you don't even know their yeah, names. Yeah, how many prisoners are on this planet? But also, it, it this is there's like eighty red shirts and then five friends. Well, and and this is what. One of the reasons why the film doesn't grip you is that you do not know any of these people before they start getting killed. You don't get any yeah. real... I mean, there's some of them you do, but... It's just like, whoops. Yeah, and there so... Goes. Well, let's leap forward a bit. So, yeah, so things start going south. People are getting killed. Once again, people aren't believing Ripley when she tells them that there's stuff happening. It's like, you got, you got, to, just, you got to believe Ripley. Listen to Ripley. Always listen Dad. to Ripley. She's just a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Then she has, like, another touching moment with the doctor while he gives her his uh, tragic backstory, and then he gets killed. Also, his tragic backstory is, like, I recommended the wrong painkiller dose for, like, 30 people at the same time. 
Yeah, it was kind of awkward. He's like, give them all 80 gallons of yeah. morphine. Everyone's getting killed. The leader of the prison gets killed, the, the actual official. And so then finally they realize maybe we ought to start listening to Ripley. So preacher Dylan actually says, you know, how about you? They don't want to let 85. <laughs> There's the thing with the, the second in command. They all tease him about having an 85 IQ. <laughs> so they don't want to follow him, but they'll start following Ripley because she obviously has been through this before. She's obviously a smart goyle. But then it turns into the old, it's in the ventilation shafts. We'll flush it out and kill it. And it's like, well, that's what we've seen in the... Oh, I just got... The same, you, you know, saying ventilation shaft just gave me like flashbacks to playing the video game. <laughs> it's always the ventilation shafts. They come up with this plan to flush it into this toxic waste disposal room. It goes awry. In, in <laughs> that's, the, where, that's where I go after class. <laughs> in the theatrical release. We'll talk about this again later. So everything's a mess, but they know that the company has set, sent a, uh, an evacuation ship. But for course, Ripley. For Ripley. But of course, Ripley knows that they're not going to come there to kill the thing. So she's, you know, still trying to get this thing killed before they get there. But she's been starting to, you know, have weird symptoms. So she uh, heads back out to the EEV and scans herself. Oh. And then that's with the help of this, 85. Can we about this colony is supposed to be like, you know, like the most terrible people you can imagine. So many of them are just. Helpful. Need me to scan you? Okay, sure. Yeah. Got got well, you back. Sorry. Well, you know? that, but that was the second in command, so he's he was Is he not a prisoner? No. There were just there were two people that were not prisoners. The Brit leader guy mm. and mm. and eighty five. Those, okay. those were the two. Mm. And then of course the doctor who was had a criminal past, but he wasn't one mm -hmm. of the So Ripley gets suspicious now that she knows that she's got one inside her. And then she puts two and two together that when the xenomorph killed the doctor. And, but not her. But not her. He realizes, she realizes, oh, it like knows that I'm carrying the queen. So I'm kind of safe. So she starts looking for it. And I do kind of like the line, don't be afraid, I'm part of the family. <laughs> At least, the way, you know, she kind of, Sigourney kind of makes it work, but it's she kind does. of a cheesy line. What doesn't Sigourney make work? But here's what I don't understand. She's uh, looking around through all the creepy little dark places, and she sees the alien, and she is hoping to goad it into killing her. So she picks up this thing, and she smashes it, but then it turns out that she's just smashed open a pipe and it's full yeah, of bugs. I, was that supposed to be a hallucination that she had or did, I think did that, it move and she I missed? I think that it was, no, I think that it was. It was a hallucination? Yeah. That was a little awkward because then she turns around and it's there. It was either a hallucination or she didn't see it move. Yeah, I don't because know. Because I was... just took it to be like, Ripley is sick, boy. She's not, she's slipping. Now here's a weird bit of business. So she realizes that she, you know, she needs to kill herself to kill the queen that she's holding. Also, how does she know it's a queen? Like, does she assume because there's only one that the first thing it would do would be to lay a queen? No, I, I don't know. Because I is thought, that how bugs work? <laughs> I thought it was, you know, something with the 
physiology of it when she saw it on the scanner. But, but it when looked, it's a baby, it looks pretty much like the other one. So I, yeah, I really don't know if or if she just has like a sense. I. Because it's she can insider. tell because it's her baby. If they're, yeah, if they're trying to do that kind of a thing, I, I don't know. But here's a weird bit of business. So she knows she has to kill herself. She's having a hard time doing that. So she goes to the preacher. She goes to Dylan and says, you've got to kill me. And he's like, ooh, and all And she right. asks <laughs> if he's up to it. He just like gets this stone cold look on his face and says, you don't have to worry about that. Now, here's what's creepy about that. Charles L. S. Dutton, the actor. I, oh my God, what? Who plays him (laughs) in his youth, did seven years in prison for manslaughter because he got in a fight with a guy and he killed him. So the way that scene is written and he's just like, you don't have to worry about that. It's just like, ooh, that played kind of awkwardly when I happened to know that he, in fact, <laughs> did kill a guy. I mean, it was manslaughter. There was a fight. Manslaughter, not murder. So, like, yeah, self-defense, maybe? Yeah, yeah. He got in a fight. He said the guy attacked him. And they got in a fight. And the other guy ended up dead. And so he did his time for manslaughter. That's so... He had some problems. That's in... so, like, intense, though. Like, if somebody attacked me, I think for certain I would die. like i don't think you know anyways so but then it was like and then he had some trouble with the law after serving his time but he got cast in alien three and everything was okay at some point in there like when he was in prison he discovered through like the prison library he started reading plays and stuff and then that's what turned his life around because then he suddenly realized like i want to be an actor and and he turned his life around and, you know, from being a, uh, you know. Wow, that sounds like fake. So, uh. Like, <laughs> sounds like a musical. He goes to prison. He's like, I just love Shakespeare. Now, here's my least favorite line in the film. Oh. Ripley's trying to talk the inmates into the idea that they have to kill the alien. They have to risk their lives and kill this thing for the better good or whatever. And she's trying to impress upon them that the company is not coming to help. You know, she's saying that when they do not care about you, we're going to come in here, you know, with their shiny sunglasses. Yeah. (laughs) And she's saying, you know, when this first happened, the crew was expendable. Then they sent in the Marines and they were all expendable. And then she says, they think that we're just crud. (laughs) (laughs) Crud. Like she's 12 years old. They think we're crud. They're rebel scum. (laughs) That was just the most awkward line. Meanwhile, they're dropping F-bombs in every other sentence for the rest of the movie. Because these guys are criminals, Dad. They don't watch their language. And and she says crud. (laughs) That just... They think that we are crud. crud. Like, that's the worst thing she can think of. They come up with the elaborate plan of leading the xenomorph into this uh, channel where there's this piston thing that drives toward the like foundry place where they can pour molten lead on it or whatever. And so they're doing the whole, like trying to lead the xenomorph through the tunnels and stuff. And people are getting splattered all over the place. People whose names you don't know and you don't care to know. And you don't really feel much when you lose them because they're just, I felt nothing. The yeah. Whole movie. It was, um, 
So we get this major heroics. <laughs> this is one one of the one of the scenes that I like because it's just like such classic Ripley. So on the one hand, she knows that she's got a certain amount of safety from the xenomorph. But still, they're trying to get the thing into this place for the, this way they can trap it. And she's actually grabs it by the tail and is trying to pull it out. And the idea of grabbing one of these killing machines by the tail is just you like... Want just, you want to just drag them out? Even if you knew... Well, it's probably not going to hurt me because I'm holding the queen in me. But still, it's just like Ripley. Yes. She's got the shaved head. She's got an alien by the tail. <laughs> Don't mess with Ripley. She's taking care of business. Yeah. I like how Dylan, the preacher, sacrifices himself. He wants to, like, save her, uh, even though he knows that she has to die. He's, he's you know, like this honorable man and, 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 you know, made a deal with her that they had to kill the alien first. And so he realizes that he's got to sacrifice himself because it's starting to climb out after her. So they dump the hot lead on it. And just when you think, yay, it comes leaping up out of the hot lead. But then they do this crazy thing. I can't decide if this was really cool or really silly. So the idea is, is that the thing survived being dunked in molten lead, but now the entire body of it is so hot that they just dump cold water on it and it shatters, basically. <laughs> what did you think of that? I can't decide if that was cool or ridiculous. <laughs> I My brain stopped thinking about... Any of Ten it? minutes into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> About 45 seconds. Yeah. So they kill the thing just in time. The company evac team has arrived. 85 meets them, leads them down. Then you get the big, one of the, the like, the big twist of the movie is Bishop 2. They, they call him in the credits. But so you see Bishop and he says, well, no, I'm not the android. I'm the guy who designed the android. And he's very creepy. Also, that's also a power move. It's like, <laughs> send the real guy. But, like, what? Like, there's no real, real point to them sending, like, a human. You know what I mean? It's just... It's the company. You it's, just They it's will the, do what they... Yeah. Like, they're like, okay, maybe she'll trust somebody who looks like Bishop. And then they're like, send in the dude. Send in the... <laughs> send in. It's like, you know what we should do? Like, what, bro? Send in the actual yeah. guy. They're like, oh my god, like hitting buttons in the conference room. But, of course, even though he immediately says, oh, we're gonna, we'll save you, we'll we'll take it out, we'll kill it, everything will be fine. She doesn't believe him, and of course he's just lying, because the company just wants the creature. So things start going south, uh, she locks herself away from them, they start shooting... 85 tries to have his moment of heroics and he picks up something and whacks Bishop in the head, but then he gets killed. But then, oh, the gruesome thing about Bishop's ear, this creeped me out so much when I first saw it. Well, when I first saw it, I was convinced that he was actually, even though he said he was human, that he was an android. Yeah. But when you watch it again, especially if you watch the deleted scene where there's a little bit of longer shot, it definitely looks like blood comes out of him not you know you don't yeah. see like milky There's android no, stuff yeah. but but basically 85 hit him so hard in the back of the head that like his ear is sticking way out 
Did you notice how far out his ear yeah, was? Yeah, it was like the skin. It's, it's, it's like, like the tore... flesh behind his ear got torn off of his yeah. skull. It was like hanging So out. his ear is hanging out. And so that's why... Can that just... Can that happen? You think you'd just be like chilling after that? You think you'd still just be like, come here, I need the parasite in your uterus. Yeah. Like... That's why when I remember seeing it in the theater at first... I was thinking, I think he was an android. His ear was just hanging out. Would that have happened with the person? He would have just, you know. But I think he was a human. But then, um, as was foreshadowed uh, with the uh, cremation scene of, uh, of Newt and Hicks, we see Ripley take her dive into the molten metal. And the alien chest burster, even as she falls, it comes out and she... Holds it to her, keeps it from escaping. And they won the gold medal just for the emotion. Yes. You're about to die. Mm -hmm. You're falling towards, you're you're Gollum falling towards the lava. And a thing bursts out of you. Do you think you could just be serene and just hold it? Like, no, we're going to die. Like, you must die with me. (laughs) I couldn't, but... She's Ripley. She is Ripley. Ripley's just going to take care of the business, no matter what. I'm just shook. But here's the thing. Okay, so that in a nutshell was the film, the theatrical release. Now, there's two more things I want to talk about. Ugh. First, flashback to when I was talking about the cruel death of Hicks and Newt and how it ripped the heart out of aliens and stomped on it and left us all bereft and empty. <laughs> Here's the thing that robbed us of a couple things because it well, let me step back. Let me tell my my headcanon, my fan rewrite of the film okay. that I've told you many times over the years. At the opening of the film, when the eggs are exploding into the spaceship, acids getting about, it causes the problems that causes them to be ejected from the ship. And we see the hypersleep tubes getting ejected into the evac vehicle that then gets released from the ship. In my head, what really would have happened was we would have seen two different escape vehicles that shoot out of different sides of the ship. One gets caught in the gravity of Fury 161 and re-enters. The other one just goes tumbling off into space. And we find out then that what landed on the planet is Ripley and Bishop. Then the movie proceeds more or less like it did. But then at the end, when Bishop 2 comes and is trying to persuade her to come with, and she's saying, no, I'm out of here. I can't trust you. You're not going to kill it. Then Bishop says, well, I've got some people that want to talk to you. We found this other evac pod on our way here. And he turns on a communication device and we hear, yes, and we hear Hicks saying, Ripley, where are you? We hear Newt saying, Mommy, I'm mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. And then you see the anguish in Ripley's eyes because she still has to kill herself to kill the yeah. alien. By making that little tweak and not having the off-screen death of Hicks and Newt that destroys the heart of aliens. Not only does it then make her sacrifice at the end more moving, because even though her sacrifice is heroic in the film as it stands, she's a person who has lost everything. 
and you could think of her as being quite suicidal at that point. But if you if she finds out that Hicks and Newt are still alive, it's like, well, now she's got something to try to live for. She's not suicidal. She makes the decision for the greater good and and to, you know, stop the company. Now, and then, on a pragmatic way, from a studio point of view, then you've got Hicks and Newt alive for the sequel. I'm really surprised that the studio let them kill no, off yeah, those, definitely. you know, all the characters. Okay, so that was one thing I wanted to talk about. But the other thing we have to talk about is <laughs> the shoot. This film, behind the scenes, was a mess. Studio interference, the director, they're not getting along, they're fighting over the thing. And so, in most films... If you get a special edition on disc, it's a director's cut, and you get a few like extra scenes, things are a little bit longer, and that's about it. It's not that big a deal. But this, <laughs> this special edition isn't a director's cut because David Fincher was so upset with the whole nightmarish process, there was no way he was going to come back and do a director's cut. And then when you watch... He was too angry at Rachel. And then <laughs> when you watch the thing, it's like, oh my God, it's like a different movie. I mean, you watch the... It's a whole different thing. It's just bizarre how different it is. You just realize like there was practically two different movies that were filmed. One of the big changes is the whole ox thing where you see them uh, dragging the the vehicle like back to the prison with a team of oxen and then it's an ox that gets the face hugger and births the alien instead of the dog in the theatrical release also they shot when they were first trying to capture the alien in the toxic waste disposal thing they actually succeeded in capturing it and then it got let out by uh, the Eighth Doctor, <laughs> who was uh, so Paul McGann, whose almost his entire performance was left on the cutting room floor. It's like he shows up in one or two scenes in uh, in the theatrical release, and then you watch the special edition, and you see this whole other plot where he uh, goes and uh, lets the alien out for some reason because he's just nuts. And so then they have to come up with the other elaborate plan to, to, to catch the thing and kill the thing. It is kind of interesting from a filmmaking point of view to see how different it is and see how with careful editing they were make, able to make it more or less, you know, a pretty seamless flow of story in the theatrical release, even though they had cut out these huge different scenes. One thing that I liked about it was... Ripley was really able to convince 85, well, I guess she didn't completely convince him, but they sent a message to the company team that was coming, and she said, and she asked for permission to kill the alien, and permission was denied. And I think that she just did that to try to demonstrate to 85 that they are not coming here to kill the yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. But he was still apparently convinced that things were going to be all right. Mm-hmm until the very end when uh, the shooting started, and then he realized, uh-oh. <laughs> Just kidding. I kind of picked the wrong side in this fight. 
I wonder if a person won a lottery and had hundreds of millions of dollars, I wonder if there's any amount that you could offer to David Fincher to go back and do a director's cut. If I were him and somebody called me and was like, if we offered you the rights to Alien 3, I'd be like, leave me alone. Well, that's the thing. Let it die. So I've seen the theatrical release. I've watched uh, the deleted scenes. And although there were some elements of those deleted scenes Mm -hmm. that had a little bit more character to them and, and added something to the film, I still think that in the end the whole process was so messed up that you can't make a great film. Even if you had David Fincher come back, it's like you'd need to shoot new scenes to try to fix that film to get it in the same neighborhood as the first two. Well, what we didn't get into were all the uh, rumors of the uh, original screenplay drafts that made it sound like it could have been a very interesting and much different film. I think it was the case where the studio gets in a rut where it wants a certain thing out of a sequel. They want it to be as close as that possible. That certain thing is money. And, yeah, and they want it to be as close as possible to the original films because they Those know that... Those made money. Yeah, and so that's what people want. And there were people involved in trying to write the third film that were trying to do something really, really different and that led to a conflict that that just ended up spitting out this film that had certain elements that seemed kind of creative but really didn't go anywhere and then the rest of it was this mishmash of everything that we'd seen before and it just uh, did not come together at all for me did you have any last comments on alien 3 i really have no comments mm-hmm. and uh that's it that's the show Bam. Good night, everyone. <laughs> that's all the time we have for this episode in upcoming episodes we'll be continuing our review of the alien series as we move on to alien resurrection and we'll welcome author melissa f olson aboard to talk about her novels and to take a look at the new annotated frankenstein Remember that Generations Geek is a part of the Chronic Riff Network, which broadcasts from Geneva, where everything would have been just fine for the Frankenstein family if they'd had Ripley on their side. Please give their other fine podcasts a listen at chronicriff.com. Thanks for listening, and come Come back back next time. time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Danny.